0: Omanjika, and welcome to the Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Tony Armstrong, and this podcast is all about celebrating Indigenous art and design in all of its shapes and forms. This podcast also marks the opening of Watamara, NGV's new exhibition. Watamara means many mobs in the Wurundjeri Woburung language and, as the title says, the exhibition showcases the diversity of First Nations art and design with incredible works from emerging and senior artists from all around the country. Like me, you may be wondering, what exactly is Indigenous art? Is it more than traditional dot paintings? And how much has it developed over the years into the contemporary practices of today? Let's find out. In this episode, I'm joined by two incredible artists, both who have work in the exhibition, Tony Albert and Kimon Williams. Both Tony and Kimon's work looks to reframe First Nations histories in different ways by appropriating found materials, language and symbols of Indigenous culture. Kimon is the youngest artist in the show, while Tony is a senior figure in the art world who is known for using what he calls Aboriginalia. Uh, Tony, Kimon, thanks for coming on. Thanks,
1: thanks having for us. having us. Yeah,
0: um, Tony, I'll start with you. Um, can you introduce yourself, who's your mob, where you're from and maybe
2: talk a little bit about your practice? Mm. Well, I'm a far north Queensland boy um, uh, around Townsville Cairns, mm-hmm. Gitome, Yidinji, Kukuyallanji, Um, all those mob connections, uh, but lived and worked across Brisbane and Sydney um, at the moment, which is quite wonderful as an artist to have that kind of span. Um, Brisbane is where pretty much I call home, but Sydney is really not only my adopted home, but I think in the art world, the platform for for the rest of the world and that connection and that, you know, incredible opportunity, which a place like Sydney really offered me, you know, about a decade ago, and I, I just can't leave yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, it,
2: is, it is a beautiful
0: place, it and is. particularly if you've got a reason to be there, why would you go anywhere else, uh, Kimon? Um, same, exactly the same question to you. Introduce yourself. Well, who's your mob? Where are you from? Yeah. I'll talk about your practice a little yeah.
1: bit. Yeah. Yeah. My name's Kimon. I'm a co Coogie L N G and Miriam Murr, um, and born in Brisbane, but grew up in Cairns, far north Queensland, so... I like it hot and uh, I mean, even now I'm not like wearing really warm stuff. I just love that kind of like defying the temperature sort of aesthetic. And yeah, coming up at the moment in a an interesting place, I think uh, exploring practice in a way that kind of heals and affirms mob through personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's been really interesting. Brisbane, such a, there's almost like a familial collection with people. Like uh, everyone's just really... Um, welcoming and I think it's it's just at the moment I feel really privileged to live and work on uh the engine for me I'm just excited to be here yeah the shorts is an absolutely incredibly bold move I mean
0: it's about <laughs> a degree and a half outside I, think, I think it might be raining at the moment but that's boss if you've got Ferraris don't leave them in the garage I mean get them out there um <laughs> I don't think I could pull them off on a,
2: <laughs> on a hot day. <laughs> day
0: Jeez, Tony's in the uh, tracksuit pants again um <laughs> So I, I'm very interested about. Um, so I grew up with this preconception of what Blackfellow art was. Um, I had this idea until probably I was you know 13, 14, whatever it was. That Blackfellow art was it, it was to be to be lazy. It was dot painting. It was Central mm. Desert stuff. Um, and then you know I guess coming in coming into this space and and practicing and working in it. How important, Tony? Do you find it to? challenge not just um not just your audience but institutions
2: to realize that it's more than that it's more than that it's incredibly important to the point I kind of find it quite profound um you know even as a North Queenslander knowing our symbols and designs how different they are my idea of Aboriginal art was exactly the same it was a dot painting from the desert um and we've had to not only escape that way of thinking we've had to rigorously challenge it um for me it wasn't until seeing the work of you know at the probably around the same age as you're talking about of um uh, tracy moffat and gordon bennett and these incredibly powerful works re- resonated a story of who we are not so much what we were supposed to do or supposed to be but um it's like you know that they 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 took a bit of your heart and put it on a, on a canvas or a photograph, which, you know, to me, not only challenged that idea of what Aboriginal art was, but for me as a person too, what art was, and in more general to that, was a very beautifully painted picture. You know, the whole idea of contemporary or conceptually based art, you know, didn't even register on the radar, and particularly with Mob, like, you know, we're lucky to have anything on the wall, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let alone in, you know, this inheritance of what, what art was, even in a, in a beautiful traditional style of what it was. But um, it, was, it was certainly artists like that which r- first made me really switch on to the power of art, um, how a visual can make us think, how it can make us feel um, and how it can resonate really inside of us. And that, that was, a, that was a, you know, one of the most pivotal moments, I think, in my life was seen and understand and, you know, to quote Tracy Moffat, something more.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like it seems like the more I'm learning about art, it, it can be this really great mirror of who you are and, and then when you see a place that doesn't represent you, that can then <laughs> like be like a double down on, I guess, internalised, whatever it may be. Um, using humour is something that both of you do. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm loving your earrings. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, they are earrings that say plastic on them in the shape of a pink boomerang. Um, but I mean, how 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 important and how powerful do you see hu- humour as as a tool to convey message almost subversively, like bring people in before they realise what mm-hmm. you're
1: saying? I guess from the expectation of an audience, I think they expect either beauty or sadness or something to really move them and compel them. But I think humor is just the universal language. And I think for me, it's like, I can't always make art, what you say, like black fella art and then white art. It's like the humor is the ingredient that makes it palatable to all tastes. I think it's something that helps to break down the barrier because there's a lot of barriers in art. And I think it's something that if you set that precedent of hey, art can be profound and also funny. At the same time, I think it allows everyone to be on board. And it's not to say that they, that art can't be serious. I think a lot of humorous art is very serious because it's like, it's so ridiculous, you have to laugh. I think for me, it's just been a, a sort of platform, a little, yeah, a little secret ingredient, I guess, <laughs> to sort of, uh, yeah, just elevate the work and allow it to be understood, but also so that, for more people than just mob, it can be something that's owned. Mm. People can take the message on and not see it as something that is defamatory or it's going against you. It's like, no, this is all our story yeah. and let's laugh together.
2: Yeah, like empowering, right? It, yeah. is, it is so cultural as well. Like no one can make a joke or a laugh out of com- Complete poverty, like blackfellas can. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's always um, yeah, there's a glint uh, in the eye, uh, a reason to laugh. But I look at humour. I, I say it's a guerrilla tactic. It's it's it's. Um, an opportunity to, to infiltrate, and when I say guerrilla, it is about almost like infiltrating the enemy, you know, a uh, tough way of, of talking about, I guess, the serious notions of it, but it's much easier to make people laugh at something than to throw facts or statistics or um, the truth <laughs> oh. <laughs> in their Whoa. face, you know. <laughs> um, and that has been an incredible tool for me because it might not be till that night in bed or a month later, or the encounter of an experience for a non-Indigenous person to go, ah, that's what they were talking about. Um, it's not necessarily direct, um, but it 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 has a reverence um, in our lives outside of art as well as within art that um, is a strong tool in communicating a message. And I guess you
0: have both spoken about this 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 notion of like um I guess blackfellow art versus whitefellow art and what is it do you do you think the idea of what blackfellow art is is changing not just to blackfellas but say um someone just being introduced to the world of art just peaking an interest in art do you think their stock standard definition of what blackfellow
1: art would be changing or do you think there is still so far to go I think it's an interesting question. I I, I think in some ways it has, but I don't necessarily think it's a change. I think it's an expansion. I think especially with uh, digital media, social media, all of these things, it allows suddenly, uh, you know, multi-generational conversations to exist at the same time. And I think that's something that we haven't really had before. And I think uh, it's just really interesting that uh, I, I think we're in a time now where uh, because the view is so much more centered on the individual now that if that individual is an artist, in a sense they become the tastemaker for the culture and they can come in and they can expand it or they can uh, show ways that that uh, experience has a a kind of like an elevated quality of this deserves to be celebrated. This deserves to be an object of beauty or desire or contention. And I'm going to communicate that through art. And I found like, Quite recently, is like people take you seriously when you say you're an artist, which is kind of strange in a way. Like if you come to the table and you say, I'm doing this for the sake of doing it and celebrating it, and I'm having fun at the same time. People find that not just amusing, but they want to promote that. They want to support it because otherwise you're just listening to the news and the noise and everything else that can be so horrible at the moment. I think art in all facets is something that people can see and uh, attribute joy or even just like a communal voice to? They can feel heard and seen.
2: Mm. Well, the world revolves and it turns and it changes. And the biggest thing we have to get over is the stigma of culture being, or us as people, being stagnant, being anthropological, um, being studied. Um, you know, if there's a canoe or a speedboat next to each other, we know which one we're going to get in. Um, you know, and that—that's the mindset, and you know, if we will f- forever be changing and challenging, and um, you know, that's—that's that's the beauty of it all. But it's just making sure people know and understand that. Yeah, I realized as well
0: in the framing of my question to you, Kimon, I kind of talked about how it's one thing or the other. <laughs> oh, right. No, 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 and like, mm-hmm. and like, that is just me still getting myself out of my own head around what we're talking about which is this idea that you know black art is done by blackfellas. it doesn't matter mm. you know what it looks like or how it is and so yeah I realized that and when you said it's just an expansion of this idea which I think is really beautiful and speaking of Blackfellow art Watamara is an exhibition at the NGV that the NGV is putting on from October early October and I'm so excited about it you're both featured yeah. in it <laughs> yeah um how does it feel to be to be part of I guess its announcement to the world and something that 's going to be such a pivotal part of
2: uh, I guess Australia and the world 's art scene so interested to hear kimon 's response. I know for me you know two thousand and eight going back nearly uh, you know a couple of decades when the Hetty Perkins at the Archive of New South Wales purchased a work off my first ever commercial solo show and um, I was so excited. It, there was really a sense of validation and that this, this kind of what you had pushed and what you had worked towards um, at that time for me. And that's why I'm so keen to hear on. <laughs> there, there was something so insightful. Now it's a bit, um, you know, uh, um, I, 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 I need to look back a lot more at that excitement um, and at, at those opportunities. But it is really great to see ...dedicated Aboriginal art spaces... ...an opportunity for that dialogue amongst ourselves as people. We're too often pitted against each other... ...particularly in the idea of traditional and urban... um, ...within the context of art. I look at all the beautiful mediums and the stories... ...they actually bring us together. They don't pull us apart. Um, And that's one really important thing we need to take note of. But then the infiltration of our work... ...throughout the entire institution... Um, is also really important. What context and conversation does it have within Australian art and then in the same way with international art and those conversations I even find at this point in my career much more invigorating and important um, than some of the conversations we have amongst each other. But that's, you know, I'm very keen to hear, you (laughs) know, because it's from Kimon because this Mm -hmm. is your first institutional purchase. Yeah, And will be the youngest
0: person in there as well.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That well, God I damn. like. Well, I like being the bearer of good oh, news. Congratulations! Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Golf <It's> player. Very, <laughs> yeah. very, very um, exciting. Well, yeah, I've, yeah. First of all, I feel very grateful, but I think it's also just really affirming because I was very conscious about making a promise to myself years ago that from this point I was not going to make work for anyone else. Um, I think it's you know you get you get exhibitions or you get a commission and you're doing something that someone is telling you to do. And sometimes you lose track of what your voice is, I think. Um, and so I made a decision whether it is any of those things or a solo work project that uh, I'm going to do whatever I think is is fun and exciting because I'm, uh, in, a, in a sense, it's like I don't want to be anyone else. Like I'm making the practice and the work that I want to see reflected and that's took me a long time to get there but that's what I want is is to follow that thread, that practice that excites me because if it's not exciting me, it's not going to be exciting to anyone else. Um, and so, yeah, when I got that offer, I think it was, it, it was quite emotional but I think it was more so affirming that for so long, I think, you know, um, especially when you're emerging and you're independent, it's like I'm still putting 80% of my salary into my work because I can't not do that. You know, um, if I don't make those sacrifices, I'm not in this room having this conversation. Um, and so for just a lot of hard work and investing in self, finally that that work, these, um, these boomerangs, which were just a sort of fun experiment on the <laughs> side, have just really propelled that practice and become something that uh, was from a place of self-preservation. I'm really trying to push for that work to represent me is now in a national collection and it represents the people. Like that's not, it was for me, that's where it came from. But now it's, it's for the people, which for me is like huge in a sense that it's, it's like beautiful. I get to hand over some of that ownership of that work and let it, let it spread its wings, I guess, to be a bit dramatic. But yeah, I'm just really, really excited. And it, it feels like it's, it's very practice affirming, but life affirming to know there's that security, I guess
2: very inspiring yeah oh no that
0: no that really is and I I I suppose as well um you know to be in in institutions that are traditionally white spaces and then to come in and uh, do what you're both doing you, you said it was just affirming but do you feel like there's also like more to it than just the work itself there's like meaning from a Whole mob point of view about what about what it is you do, particularly when it goes into these institutional spaces that traditionally haven't necessarily been spaces for black fellows
2: I'd like to think so. I always say that white spaces made by white people for white people. Society, you know, it goes back to the earlier conversations as well. It's uh, we are changing. The, the world is changing. Um, we, it, I, I hope, it's in the term of getting better. As well, But this insertion of these stories and understanding, um, you know, has an incredible impact on on a lot of things. We're we're facing a a climate crisis as we speak and yet we've got people that are living, sitting here that have managed the land for tens and thousands of years and done it wonderfully. Um, It's been destroyed in a, you know, 200-year period. So... You know, the these stories open up um, a lot more symbols and meaning, and understanding who we are, where we sit, our sense of space and place, and really are in a in a uh, non-condescending way. Um, you know, changing the world yeah. um, th- that we live in, and um, you know that that's incredibly important. And to think. Know art um, or creatives have kind of led all revolutions um, um, and markers for incredible change, and um, you know it's 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 wonderful to be involved in 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 that world within these kind of conversations.
1: Yeah, I I agree, and I've been conflicted in my own practice too, trying to think about what it means to make art and how that in itself is a language and there's like so much of my mob where it's like I don't know our language but I know that the greatest Indigenous language has always been what we do, our practice, our everyday and I think that um, to be at a point where it's in an exhibition like this where there's such a diversity of work that expands that language of what it means to be Indigenous uh, and expands that language of what it means to practice as an Indigenous person. I think it's an honour but I think... Uh, even reflecting on my practice and my being, you know, I'm indigenous, but I'm also queer. I think it's a a thing where you're always kind of combating, like where are your, where are your boundaries? Where are the, the hazards of where's going too far? Where's not powering through enough? And mm. I think, uh, yeah, with the work, it's like there's languages, uh, language in the work that's affirming, traumatic, depressing, uh, luxurious, but then also a bit sleazy. And I think that that's something that it's, i just I'm glad that that gets to exist in a space like this in an institution like this to kind of push that that stereotype of what it is to be indigenous or like incorporate more uh more life affirming things into that work so that people see stuff like that and they understand that it's it's not just about you know we our practice is sacred, but we're more than just a sacred being that's you know can't be talked to or can't feel pleasure or can't you know I think yeah, it's important still modernity yeah yeah and it's important not to uh, to celebrate indigenous artists but not to put us in a box where we are these like shamans that <laughs> you know like we're yeah. people yeah and yeah the point you made about um,
0: about where to push and where and where you're not going far enough equally as dangerous <laughs> I think if you don't push but also equally as dangerous if you if you get it wrong, you know, yeah. like, 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 yeah, you got to, you got to get it right. Um, Tone, tell me about
2: Aboriginalia. It, it for me, it started as a collection as a child, um, and Aboriginalia is this um, incredible aesthetic of um kitsch, almost. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's not the right word, but it kind of it fits. Is it, as it well. like the fit? <laughs> it's it's you know the representation of Indigenous imagery on everyday items, which in which um, is a mass of cultural cliched rubbish um, that I collect um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and surround myself with. Um, but, you know, I, I always go back to the fact that that collection started from um, as a child and as a collection that was built on love. And I loved seeing Aboriginal faces on things. I loved seeing people who res- represented me and my family on objects because i just thought that was so cool this must you know what famous aboriginal person is this because they're on a cup (laughs) they're on something (laughs) or they're on a plate or a tea towel um (laughs) and 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 praise the lord i had wonderful parents that um you know you know in endorsed and embraced this curiosity that a child had and at that same point i was uncovering works by tracy moffat and gordon bennett I was understanding the much more sinister undertones attached to these objects and the um, lack of autonomy we had as people within them or the lack of autonomy these objects had within themselves in having a voice um, and having an opportunity to engage but still um, the way in which an entire generation of Australians grew up understanding who we were as black people, because of these objects um, became ever important to me, and I kind of made it my mission to give these objects a voice through my artistic practice um, and that 's where uh, the the love for Aboriginalia stemmed from, and i won 't ever stop loving it and it's a it 's a wonderful. Um, catalyst for being able to take something like that and 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 ask these hard questions and return it to society um within a way that um, uh gives it its own autonomy and this own opportunity to speak We're, there's still too many um um reference points in life where Aboriginal people are meant to be seen and not heard um and and you know in the same way your visibility on on t v and within media is is actually you know making um, incredible inroads into the way in which we're seen and we are witnessed, but most importantly, we are heard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm I'm blushing. Yeah. If (laughs) I could,
0: um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'd never thought about it like that, but yeah, all of these things in these, in these contexts and you just look at them, and you take them for granted as is without really thinking about what they might be doing to us as people. That's, that's fascinating to hear you say that. Um, I want to go back to what we said before about not going far enough Mm -hmm. or going too far. When do you know or do you ever know?
1: It's something that I think comes back to the lens of it's like I have to make it for me. If it's potentially pushing into territory that could be dangerous, it's like on one hand it's like if I wouldn't live that in my daily life, I'm not going to make it visible as an artwork. So I think it's like, the only time it really goes to the point where it's like pushing it is if it's um, the work and me doing it has to be a catalyst to push the message forward so that it's not something that's talked about in 10 years, it's now. Um, And I think it's I've not had uh, the issue of having to do that
2: necessarily. It's so sweet and innocent because it's like, don't just break the glass ceiling, knock the (laughs) fucking building (laughs) over.
1: (laughs) You can never push too (laughs) hard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have permission. I'll,
2: yeah, I'll, yeah oh, you, I'll do, do you, you just got permission, and we and we filmed it too. Yeah. <laughs> no, but isn't it like this is mm. so incredible? Because if I look back a decade or so, where like where you are now, um, queer diaspora was not a part of this world that we're living in. It wasn't, you know, um, you, you know. I went to a school where you couldn't even say you're gay. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't even say I went to a school. I was part of a society. Yep. Where that actually just couldn't happen, and for you to be sitting here now, representing not just mob, but um, you know, then a, a kind of diaspora within that, in such a profoundly heavy yet intrinsic way of who we are as people. I mean, it's 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 very inspiring.
1: Yeah, thank you. I th- I think it's that that thing you know that a lot of us struggle with, where it's like, um, you know, you're Australian enough? Are you black enough? Are you, are you <laughs> queer enough? All of these things, and then it's like will you really just have to understand that those things are just like marcators of the space that you take up mm. as a person and those markers are put on you by other people. It's like you exist how you exist and you can pull from all of those things but you only need to go as far as your interaction with those things to be, to make something that's the unique essence of who you are and so I think it's like, you know, I grew up, I didn't, I, I was aware of my cultural connections but it was something that it was like Uh, barely tangible at best. It was like acknowledged by family, but we were very agreeable suburban, almost (laughs) white. Because it's just the way that that generation grew up and there was a lot of pressures and restrictions on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then on the other side, it was like, oh, you're queer, good luck. Maybe explore that in like 15 years. Um, So it's like a... um, Double denomination. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. a positive, right? It's too negative. Uh, but that's, that's, you it, know what I mean? Right? Yeah, yeah. It becomes a positive because then it's like if you feel one side isn't potent enough and you've got, oh, this is not going to make any sense. If you've got like half potency in one and half in another, you can combine them to make a full thing. And I think that's the interconnectivity. It's the, um, uh, it, you know, I don't need to be queer enough or I don't need to be black enough. I just need to be me. And those mm. things existing mm. is something that pushes a boundary
2: because, oh, for sure,
1: yeah, there's still spaces I don't feel comfortable in. And it's both from a cultural and a sexual perspective. And it's just something that's always going to be there. But in art, that's the only space where I get to make the rules and people then see the work and then embrace those rules in a, yeah, there's a relationship there between the work, the artist, and then the people who look at it. And hopefully over time I think it just builds a sort of a, a tenderness or at least an alertness to other people's experience.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's what Yeah, what, what you just said there really resonates with me because I grew up not thinking I was like black enough, right? Mm-hmm. And then and you're like always trying to be more and then you're like, well, hang on, like my experience is enough of a black experience you know we're we're all like it's just ours and who who's to deny us whose right is it to deny Mm. us that Mm -hmm. and then when you talk about putting putting art out that comes from those intersections you're doing it and it's your rules and then people are coming in and looking at it through through your rules and
1: that's that's got to feel good oh yeah definitely and i mean even it's like yeah, are you enough of something? It's like, well, the fact that you feel that way means that there's a bigger problem. Mm. Or if you're part Aboriginal, what part is it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh dear. I mean that's yeah, that's that's a whole nother kettle of fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess just just finally, when you sit down, Tony, um, you were talking about like trying to s- still find that young invigoration um and still get you know that real inspiration. When you do sit down and you're looking for it, where does that come from?
2: Oh my God, what a interesting question. Um, the world that sur- surrounds us. I mean, and that's what I really do try to emulate. Is that the the, the work comes from a, a sense of being and, and an experience, and I try to stay as informed as possible that i can you know my life now you know is centered you know around kids and stuff too now so it um it it, it changes a lot or you've got you know you, you know you've got um 5 hours of work um of time to do work um to fit in so you you restructure that kind of stuff but um you know it's it is family it's mob it's that connection it's feeling you have maybe the, the 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 opportunity to be the conduit or the vessel to tell the story, um, and it always I think is reflective from a sense of self unless you're amazing enough to be given permission to to share a story through your own creative talents. But um, it's the periphery of who we are, and that's as I've grown have understood um, or had the opportunity to to travel and understand that that periphery and minority exists in all societies and it doesn't take long to be within that periphery to understand one thing we all have in common and that is that we're a black and we are colonised. Um, so, you know, that's been uh, my journey. Um, but, you know, I, I do look at people like Kimon and have to go back to that ever inspirational moments in life and think about... A lot of the opportunities I get that are really incredible, and to to honour that, mm. yeah, we don't do that enough. I think, yeah, uh, don't we all? It's as soon as soon as you do it. all right, next, yes, yeah, so it's <laughs> next, it's a given <laughs> or a granted. But to keep um, keep writing those wish lists down, and and you know, mm. um, to where there's a complacency which I hate, and I really, I think I'm such a believer in telling our children to reach for the stars, and we have to emulate that through our own existence that's beautifully said and beautifully summed up on tony
0: kimon thank you so much for having a chat to us about not only your work your inspiration and your practice and i can't wait to have a look at the exhibition thanks for your time yeah
1: it's beautiful
0: I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people as the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast takes place. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and to Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening. Thanks for joining me today to learn more about Indigenous art. In the next episode, I will be chatting to artist and choreographer Amrita Happy. Make sure that you get down to the Ian Potter Centre, NGV Australia, to see the Wattamurra exhibition and the NGV's permanent collection of Australian and Indigenous art and design. The exhibition and the collection are completely free and open all year round. See you there.